at a, I almost just knocked this water down. Is this new today? Or is this floating from last week? Mm-hmm. Make sure I know. Oh, yeah, kids. It's Kids Venture. You guys go ahead and make your way out. Thankful for the reminder out in the back. And we got our shared meal potluck in the back um, after church as well. And so I was like, well, the sooner we start, the sooner we get to eat. Amen. But um, go ahead and turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians 12. And um, pray for the Bramlets. Um, the doctors just gave them, I believe it was a new medication, and um, kind of had some bad side effects from it. So um, they were unable to be here. And last week, they were trying to take him off something, and so he wasn't able to be here last week. And then pray for, um, I'm forgetting everybody's name, just from being gone for a week. Um, pray for Stacy's um, child, Wyatt, um, has a um, bad air infection. She was still going to try and make it today if Eric got home in time. But um, we had a great time in Chicago. I um, went to Chicago and then um, for initially to um, Champagne Urbana. Is that how you say it? I said it right this time. Okay, last time I said Urbana and stuff. So, so, so it's Urbana. <laughs> but uh, man, I had some Chicago deep dish pizza and it was great. And then the cool tells me that's not even the greatest there. So I miss out. I wanted to know everywhere to go when I got there and I went to the wrong places. <laughs> and so, but man, streets in Chicago, just out of town, they were terrible. Roads just all broken up. And every <laughs> yeah, yeah, they say it's from the heat, the cold, the climate change, and also probably the traffic. Um, but my wife and I, we rented a bike and um, rode our bike all through Chicago. And um, we were a little bit fearful doing it on the, on the road um, with the cars. We were in the bike lane, but even the bike lane was kind of scary. You have cars crossing over to get to the other lane. And then we didn't have a helmet there either. And so being on that road was pretty dangerous. And then on the side streets, you're supposed to ride in the same lane as the cars. But they were going too quick. I wasn't going to try to keep up with that. And my wife was really scared of that. But rode along the beach of the lake. And so um, had a really good time there. We were going to go on one of the skyscrapers. However... Um, the day we were going to go, it was all cloudy, and so it's like, I don't want to waste money to go up top and not be able to see anything. Probably be easier to step out, though, because you wouldn't see the heights and stuff. But I um, went to a business conference there to learn a lot and really made a lot of new friends there as well. And one of the families even invited us to their home on Saturday um, to show us their prep room area and to just answer questions. And that really helped my wife because she hasn't really been as involved um, in that. But they, that, they, that really inspired her and areas she wants to try to help in. And so she's been all fired up. But I um, really enjoyed the time um, there. And really was taught a lot about serving people. And that, um, when you serve, you know, the 
the side effect is often certificates of appreciation, as they would call it, is that's how you make income, is you serve people. And um, just really had a good time, learned a whole lot. I won't try to reteach everything I learned there, at least not at one time, but really enjoyed it. And it was a good time for my wife and I to get away by ourselves. Seems like it's been forever since we've done that, um, where it was just the two of us. And so the first half was busy, busy. Second half was um, more relaxing, but even the busy, busy was a lot of fun. But go ahead and turn you First Corinthians chapter twelve. First Corinthians twelve. In verse twelve, it says, "For the body is one, and have many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ." For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now have God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God have tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God have set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And so I'm um, today is going to talk about church membership matters. You know, about being a member of the church, try, trying to be the best member we can, becoming a member. And how a church is to be structured should not be determined primarily by culture, business practices, or denominational traditions. Now, to some degree, okay, you know, if you go to church in India, it's going to look 
operate differently than maybe a church here based on some cultural norms. Okay, and that's where okay, we go, um, you go further back in verse 5, it says, And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Okay, so in some sense, some things maybe you'll see cultural variance. But as far as the culture, as far as in worldliness, unholiness, the lack of holiness, um, being conformed to the world, a church ought not to reflect the culture in that way, in its ungodliness. But even other good things, business practices, you know, there may be some things, okay, that a church does need to do, that some businesses would need to do, that would be wise to do. But not everything is going to operate exactly the same. You know, the church isn't necessarily to always reflect how the American government um, runs. You know, like Jesus has said in the scripture, um, certain structures about the church, of what a church should be like. And, uh, and so we should follow the biblical pattern of what a church should be. And so the nature of the church, in part, determines its structure. You know, um, number one, the church is a fellowship. The church is a fellowship. Now, a church isn't a social club, okay, where it's only fellowship, but it is in part, a big part of it is the church is a fellowship. In Acts 2.42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Okay, so that's what makes it specific, not like any other type of social club, that, you know what, there's a particular focus in the apostles' doctrine, but then also in fellowship. And so fellowshipping amongst one another is an important part of the church. Um, A top priority of fellowship is harmony and unity. That we would be united on the truth of God's Word. And that we would seek to have unity with one another. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Okay, we don't come to church and try to intentionally cause division. Okay, we've had people like that in the past, um, a few years back, um, where someone would come in and they just wanted to, like they barely started coming, and they just always wanted to cause division. After every single message, they, um, and we had a guest speaker, um, they came to a guest speaker to tell the guest speaker about how their message was wrong. And, uh, and stuff. And so it was just always trying to be divisive. Always trying to sow discord. And it happens in every church that they've been a part of as well, um, knowing their um, history. But a top priority is that we would be to make peace. doesn't mean that things don't come up at times. It doesn't mean that sometimes a little conflict resol- comes up. But that's where we're to seek peace and resolve it. Any attitude that causes disunity is a sin. Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. And now when I'm talking about unity, I'm not talking about we have unity and throw the truth of God's word out of the way. Some would say, you know what, we, comp- we should compromise on things. 
Um, like, let's not say homosexuality is a sin because that could be divisive. It isn't accepting of all. Um, but no, we're to be united on the Word of God. That no, this is what the Word of God teaches. It is a sin, just like drunkenness. That would be a sin as well. Um, but I've never had a drunk tell me I hate him or her because I've preached on drunkenness. But some, you know, like the gay crowd, they'll try to say we're hateful people because we preach against the sin. Okay, I've never had someone that committed adultery that was trying to minister to try to help. Never had them say I hate them because I preach against adultery and stuff. And now maybe at the time they don't like being confronted about it, but they've never accused of being hateful or being divisive. And so, you know, we're to preach the truth, we're supposed to preach the word of God, but in under that we are to seek unity. Colossians 3, verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And stuff. So we want, we want the peace of God to rule in our hearts. And when we have the peace of God in our hearts, it will help us go through the storms that we may face in life. But here we see that we're also is called in one body. We are to seek peace. Go ahead and turn you 1 Corinthians um, chapter um, 1. 1 Corinthians 1 in verse 10 it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you, now this I say that every one of you say, if I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul saying, no, you know, we're all to be about Christ. That we ought to be speaking um, the same thing. That we ought to have, is the core doctrine of our church, to be speaking the same thing. That there wouldn't be divisions, that, but that there would be unity. And a good structure promotes unity around the truth of God's Word. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, um, when Paul rebukes the church at Corinth, he says, Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you. And so here at the church at Corinth, there was division in part because they did not have a doctrinal unity. They, didn't, they weren't united on the doctrine of God's word. They, they had different teachings. They had different beliefs, um, in core beliefs. And so there was division among them because there was heresies among them. And sometimes that happens even in a church where, you know, sometimes people will come and um, they'll try to overlook maybe something they disagree with that they maybe feel is big. But then over time, 
it ends up becoming more of an issue with them when the subject is preached on. And so that's the importance of as a church to be united in doctrine. Now, having core doctrinal unity doesn't mean that we are cookie-cut to think exactly the same thing in everything. Okay, yes, we just read here that there be no divisions among you and that ye speak the same thing. Okay, but this does not mean that we end up looking like a cult where everything, every preference is identical to one another. Turn to Romans 14. And that's the importance to read the balance in Scripture. Because, you know, I um, believe I have, if I recall correctly, I've seen it before, um, where people will take this Scripture about unity and, and try to get people so manipulated that they have to agree with every single dot tittle that the pastor says. When that's not the case. Okay, now when something is clearly the Word of God, you know what there should be. Okay, that's what the Word of God says. Now there may be times where there may be some things that are preached in the Word of God that you may be different from me on. And it may be it's a big issue. It may be, okay, what were the sons of God in Genesis? Was it the righteous line of Seth? Or was it angelic beings? Um, you know what, well, either way, whatever you believe, it's not going to affect a whole lot about your life. And so, you know, it's okay to differ. And you know what, sometimes we've had in the past where someone's just troubled because they disagree with me about something. I told them, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And they're like, oh, it's okay to disagree with a pastor. Absolutely. It's okay. Okay, I'm not a pope. Okay. I'm a pastor, I'm a shepherd, and that's where the Bible tells, okay, the Bible, yes, it tells the congregation to submit yourselves um, to um, the elders, to those that rule over you. But it also has to balance in Scripture, teaching the pastors not to rule in the sense of taking lordship over you, um, that this is God's heritage, not the pastor's heritage. But um, Romans 14, in verse 1, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak, eat of herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let him that which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God have received him. The conference um, had some friends there, and they're vegetarians. And so I was teasing them about being vegetarians. I'm like, man, thank God for this meat that God gave this to us and stuff. And then they brought up the Garden of Eden, that in the Garden of Eden, God gave them of the herbs of the garden um, and the plants. And he said, it is enough. This, that's all mankind needs to live off of. And I told them, well, you know what? God told Peter, rise up, kill, and eat. Amen. And, and so I was teasing them and stuff. And I didn't think about this verse, or I maybe would have picked on them with this verse, to say, hey, look, the Bible is saying you're the weak one. You're the weak brother because you're a vegetarian. But, um, <laughs> but um, I don't know how they think. They probably would have took it just fine. They took the other part just fine. But um, we had a good time. But here the Bible talks about, you know what, there may be some that think, okay, that they can't eat meat. And in particular, many times they did believe that because a lot of times the meat was offered you idols. 
which you read in one passage where it talks about don't eat meat offered to idols. And then you have another passage that talks about, you know, it's just meat. It's okay to eat. And that's where, the, again, you read the balance. The Bible doesn't contradict each other. And then Paul clarifies that when someone says, hey, here is meat offered to these gods, eat them. Then the Bible says, you know what, don't eat for conscience sake. Because then you're doing it in honor to those gods. But say there was meat that was offered, and then people eat it, and, and, and then you, it was in the, in the um, town marketplace or whatever. Paul says, you know what, it's just meat. It's just meat. It's not going to hurt anything. And so he says, if you eat it, okay, you're not damned if you eat it. Okay? But then it, it, there's some that it might affect their conscience, because someone else might know hey, that was offered to idols. And he goes, okay, you don't want to be a stumbling block to them, so then you would maybe refrain from eating the meat in that context. But here God talks about meat, whether one's a vegetarian or one eats meat. That, you know what, neither one of them are wrong. And, and he goes, who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. And then in verse 10, it says, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, so here there's different preferences. Okay, we're not going to agree on everything identically. And that's okay. We could still have unity. Um, an example, okay, some people don't celebrate Christmas because of its origins as being a Christ Mass, which would be a Catholic church and how they would um, have the Mass. And, and then how some people will trace that, you know what, there's this kind of um, paganism in its history. And some people don't celebrate Christmas based on what they see is historical, and they're doing it as unto the Lord. And I used to be of that opinion and stuff. But I was like, you know what, I'm not worshiping this tree. You know what, it, and you know what, and some of the history stuff is kind of muddied. Okay, yeah, you could kind of make history say what you want it to say. Yes, there was the Christ mass part, but today, and like Charles Spurgeon, early on at one time, he spoke against Christmas because of how much related it was to the Pope and to the Catholic Church. But then later on, it did not have that flavor as strongly. And he talked about the beauties of Christmas, of celebrating, remembering the birth of Christ and stuff. And likewise today, okay, you know what? We don't need to celebrate Santa Claus. We can celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's Jesus. But different people could have different opinions of that. And now we get a Christmas tree. And now if you come over when we have a tree up, we're not bowing down to the tree. You know, we're not doing any of that stuff. But to some people, that would be, okay, that could be a stumbling block to them or whatever. And so we used to not even have Christmas trees inside the church to not be a stumbling block. Nowadays, 
those people are very far few and be in between. And a lot of times people that do have that precision often have a divisive spirit. Not all the time. You know, when I had that precision, I wasn't trying to be divisive. But there were probably sometimes I was proud or arrogant in it. So in a way that could have been divisive. But, you know, there's things. Some esteem the day as unto the Lord. And those that don't esteem the day, esteem it as unto the Lord. And so there can be different, Christ, or different convictions, different preferences that we have as a church. Or as individuals, I mean, in this church. There may be some movies I would let my kids watch that you wouldn't let your kids watch. There may be some movies that I will not ever dare let my kids watch, and you let your kids watch. Well, you know what? We have one master we stand to. Now, there may be some things that are clear as day, okay? If I see you going into the adult movie store, yes, we're going to have to have a talk, okay? That's my responsibility as a pastor. Um, and I hate it. So don't do that kind of stuff. I hate confronting people. I absolutely hate it. But that's what the Bible sometimes talks about. It's necessary, needed. Okay, so having unity does not mean, again, that we are cookie cutters. But in our core doctrine, there ought to be unity. So the church is a fellowship. Number two, the church is a family. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, be all of one mind. There's that unity again in the mind. And it says, Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. That we're family. That we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when we annoy one another, you know what? We need to just go, you know what? We need to get over it. If we were the one annoyed, and you know what? Let's, let's work things out. And it's beautiful when we see that happening. Like, oh, you know what? They made over, and then you know what? It's done. It's, it's as if it's never happened. We operate on the basis of relationships as a church family. 1 Timothy 5 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men is brethren. The elder woman is mothers. The younger is sisters. With all purity. And so it's a church bot family. We are family. We are an extended family from your immediate family. And so we need to treat our church like that. You know what? Let's, let's make sure we're all included. Let's not form little cliques. Yes, I understand. You know what? Sometimes some people maybe have friends where they're with some people more than others. That's fine, but when we're here as a church, let's make sure we're ministering to the whole body, the whole family, and not leaving um, people out. And, and let's let it, when people come here, let people see that while that church is like family. Number three, the church is a body. No, we're called Christ's body. We function on the basis of spiritual gifts, not elected officers. Romans 12, verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. 
having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And so there are many members in one body. We have gifts differing according to the grace of God. That God has given us different abilities, different talents, different gifts. And we're to use those for the edifying of the body of Christ. As we read in Corinthians in our opening passage, that if the eye says he's not of the ears, does that make him not of the body? No. If you're not the one teaching a Sunday school class, does that make you not the body? No. That doesn't make you not the body. If you're not playing the piano, does that make you not the body? No, you're, still, you're part of the body. Work in the sound system. The place that they get no recognition except for when they mess up, then everyone looks back. Go, what is that? What's going on? That sounds awful. Or um, the videos quit working and stuff. So they get attention that way. They get a lot of negative attention, even if it's accidental. So make sure you praise your sound man or sound lady, okay? Give them some encouragement because it's a lot of work to work with the equipment that's demon possessed. And so, so you got to cast the spirits out, amen? And so it's not the sound person, it's the equipment. But you know, there's different parts of the body. And not everyone's going to have the same gift. You know, there's been times in the past, okay, there's sometimes there's like, man, we need all the people we can in the nursery. But there's been times in the past where I was thinking, we do not want this person in the nursery. They walk around, it's, it's been seven, six years, okay, but walked around like this all the time, everywhere they go. You know how like, people talk about like they walk around with their nose stuck in the air? In the air? They literally did. Walked around like this all the time. And told my wife, goes, hey, I want, to be the man, I want to be the nursery director because they were going to make me that before you came here. And it's like, nuh-uh, no way, no way. We, can't, we don't really want you as a nursery worker, and so, let alone the nursery director. So not everybody's fit for every single position. And now they could have been. if That, that, that was more of a spiritual issue. And so if she worked on the spiritual issue, we would have been more than happy um, to have her in there, but we can't have you as the face of new families coming and they just get this snobbish attitude. So, and you know, we have some people in our church that are really gifted in the remodeling portion of the building. Not everybody's gifted in that. Alan says he's one of them that's not. And, um, and so he goes, I'm not a fixer upper and stuff. But man, he teaches a Sunday school class. He leads the youth ministry. And, and so there's other ways that he ministers and serves. And so we're not all the mouth. We're not all the ears. We're not all the eyes. But that's the great beauty about members of one body. That we get plugged in where we are gifted. But the problem is sometimes we don't get involved in the area we are gifted in. The areas that we can serve in. And as a pastor, I may not always know what your gifts are. Not until you make yourself available. And be like, hey pastor, you know, I kind of have a heart for this or a vision for this. Or do we need help in this area? And it's like, hey, yeah, let's get you in. And stuff. 
Okay, but the church is a body, and everyone has different spiritual gifts. And we all ought to work together to accomplish the will of the head of the body. Um, Ephesians 4.15 says, By speaking the truth in love, the church may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, working in the measure of every part, make of increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so we're supposed to speak the truth in love, that we may grow up, and Christ is the head, and to work in a measure of every part, every part of the body working, to increase the edifying of this body. The church is a flock. You know, you're reading John 10 about Jesus being the good shepherd. Um, Matthew 26, Matthew 25. Um, we see John 21, um, that Jesus said to Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. Second time he says, Feed my sheep. And he says, Feed my lambs. And so, so there's a shepherding aspect of a church, that we are a flock. Now, there are three different terms that are used in the New Testament to refer to the role of shepherds. Um, one is elders, okay, the office of an elder and stuff, that they're to be spiritually mature in the Word of God. Um, another um, term is pastor, and that's actually used far less than any of the other words used. But that's the word we end up sticking with simply because it sounds more endearing. At least that's my guess. Um, but um, it's pastor. And um, it's used one time in the New Testament, if I'm not mistaken. It is used in various times in the Old Testament as far as pastoring um, the flock of the people. Um, and thirdly, there's the term bishop. And um, bishop is the meaning of taking the oversight thereof. Okay, that pastor is to feed the sheep, but he's supposed to take the oversight thereof willingly to oversee things, and he's to be spiritually mature as an elder um, in the church. In 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2, um, the Bible um, kind of blends these three together. The elders which are among you I exhort. And he tells them to feed the flock. Of God, which among you, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, and the oversight thereof meaning to be at, in the office of a bishop, which in Timothy it talks about. He that desire of the office of a bishop, desire of a good work, and so it's a church worth a fellowship. We are a family. We are a body, and we are part of the flock of God. And so we really want to emphasize um, what we are as a church. To remember we're family. To remember we're the fellowship. We're going to have a potluck. And um, we know it to fellowship during that time. Get to know one another. To even fellowship outside of the building. You know, they're, they're family. They don't quit being your family just because you're outside of the church building. It's the people we are the body. This building could get, have an earthquake and we meet, end up having to meet somewhere else. 
We're still a church. We are not the building. Thank God we have a building. Thank God we were able to do a lot of remodeling. But the building is not the church. We, the people, are the church of Jesus Christ. Not a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Not that. Not the LDS. I guess we are Latter-day and we are saints. I guess you could say that. But um, then I'm going to go ahead and stop there. We'll continue on uh, on the message in relation to that, on what it means to be a member um, of the church. But um, does anybody maybe have any questions? Any questions about?